You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for his purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the very first episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. We are so happy you've tuned in today because we're kicking off our inaugural episode with a conversation we think is very important to Christian families. You've probably heard or seen people using the phrase, the future is female. Well, now, before we get into this anymore, we want you to know that we are 100% in favor of women. How could we not be? We are two Christian women walking in the calling God has placed on our lives to be moms, wives, and lead the Million Praying Moms movement. Yeah, and we've been leading in ministry to women for almost nine years through writing, speaking, and you know, just generally sharing the gospel in obedience to God's call, whatever that has been and whatever it's looked like. We are 100% pro-women. We thoroughly enjoy the right to vote, to speak our minds, to follow our callings, and work as partners in ministry, but we believe the future is male and female. Right. God made us male and female because we need each other. So while we are thrilled to see more women feeling the freedom and using the tools to go where God leads them, we don't believe this empowerment excludes or surpasses the freedom men have to do the same thing. In other words, ladies, you are so important to God and his kingdom work, but your work doesn't take the place of God calling men into the mission field as well. It's a both thing. The future is male and female. Now, we're not here to talk today about gender theology, although that would be a really interesting conversation. What we actually want to focus on is what Aaron just said. God made us male and female because we need each other. And I would add because it brings him the most glory. He does whatever brings him the most glory. Here's the backstory about how this became an important issue for us. As you may know, Erin and I have all boys. I have two and Erin has three. And even though we are girls ourselves, right, we found that it's pretty easy to get consumed with the problems and perspective our boys bring to the table and forget or just not pay attention to the things that girls are struggling with today. At the McLaughlin Home for Boys, that's what I call our home, we've been dealing with all kinds of new issues. Our boys are now almost 12 and almost 14. And while they're good kids, middle school and high school brings with it an entirely new season and set of issues we have to help them through, especially navigating the world of girls. And the other day, as I had a conversation with Terry Lynn Underwood, our new resident girl mom at Million Praying Moms, I had a realization. I was only looking at half the picture. 
as I spent some time listening to Terry Lynn talk about the things girls are going through these days, the way the culture is affecting them in specific ways, how it's um, impacting their emotions and insecurities, it helped me better know how to disciple my boys through the things they're dealing with. It was the whole picture instead of just a piece of it. Right. And that is why our topic today is called The Future is Male and Female, Why Parents of Boys and Girls Need Each Other. So before we dive into the podcast, let's take a minute to mention how you can personally get involved in the Million Praying Moms movement. Simply visit www.millionprayingmoms.com and get signed up to receive our newest prayer series, Seven Essential Prayers for Every Mom. These will come straight to your inbox and they're designed to meet every mom right where she is. Now, to be clear, these prayers are for you, mom. Yes, our focus here at Million Praying Moms is praying for our children, but with Mother's Day right around the corner, we wanted to make sure you have the inspiration you need to pray for your needs too. So go to www.millionprayingmoms.com to get signed up for those right away. So let's get started with podcast number one, The Future is Male and Female. Yeah, our guest today is Terry Lynn Underwood, author of Praying for Girls, Asking God for the Things They Need Most, and our newest member of the Million Praying Moms leadership team. Terry Lynn runs our exclusive Facebook group for Mothers of Girls, contributes to the Pray the Word Journal, and beautifully leads Mothers of Girls in teaching them timeless truths applied to living in today's culture. Her heart for Mothers of Girls made her a perfect fit for our team, and you'll be hearing a lot more about her and from her in the days to come. Terry Lynn, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. You know, I love you girls. We We are so excited. (laughs) We were just talking before we went on the air today about how we have known each other basically since the beginning of Brooke and I's ministry together. So it feels like we've all been in ministry together for years. For sure. And you know, your audience may not know that the reason I wrote Praying for Girls was because Brooke said, hey, you need to write this book, Terry Lynn. (laughs) Well, I knew. (laughs) You know, people for years have been saying to us, where's the stuff for girls? We we need prayers for girls. And I'm like, I ain't writing that book. (laughs) I am not writing that one. So I knew that you were the right person to write that book. And I'm so glad that that worked out. And I just want to encourage everybody listening today to go pick up a copy of of Terry Lynn's book, Praying for Girls. Um, We knew that your heart, as Erin said, we knew that your heart was the right fit for this ministry. And we're really, really excited to have this conversation with you because um, over the last couple weeks, you and I have been having these conversations where uh, you said something about how girls are interacting with the culture today that gave me specific insight into how to help my boys respond in specific situations. So I was coming to you and sharing about a couple things that our boys were going through and trying to figure things out. And I didn't even plan that you were going to share this with me, but you started giving some insight into what you're seeing is happening in the lives of girls. And I began to get this light bulb moment that was like, oh my goodness, that's why she's doing what she's doing. Or this is how these girls are responding to what's happening in our world today. And it really helped me know how to help my boys navigate things. And it was really profound for me because as I've mentioned, I think as a, as a mother of boys, 
it's really easy for me to get stuck in only seeing the world through that particular lens. And it's, it's not something that I intentionally do. It's just that it's really easy when you have a house full of boys. So let's talk about some of the benefits of taking time to understand the bigger picture. Let's start with maybe what you're seeing in the, the, the girl moms that you're working with. Um, what are some ramifications of getting stuck in, in our own perspective, uh, in our own world? I think the first thing that stands out to me is that we don't recognize that while it's the same culture, it impacts not just individual children differently, but it definitely impacts boys and girls differently. Social media for boys, um, while it can be a dangerous place, it's dangerous kind of in different ways a lot of times. Um, I know we talk a lot with our students at church about things like pornography and what your eyes are seeing and that kind of thing. And with girls, we talk a lot more about measuring your worth through social media likes or followers and how not to do that. So it's the same topics. It just affects the hearts of boys and girls differently. And I think when we acknowledge that, it makes us much better at communicating with our own children, but also at loving the kids that are influencing our kids really well. I also think that we can get into a rut of doing a versus mentality, boys versus girls in, in seeing how things go, not comparing one as better than the other, but we don't put that and in between and understand that they're all interacting with each other. Like Brooke said before, with us only having boys, it's often a, well, boys do this, but we don't think about the girls part, or we say, oh, this is harder for us, but we don't think about how it might be harder for a mom of girls or how it's harder for the girls in that set. So getting stuck in a versus mentality of a, it's either this or it's this is hurting us because we aren't see, we can't see a bigger picture when we only see one side of the story. And as you were just talking about with social media, like they're not operating in vacuums. Like Girls aren't only um, interacting with girls on social media. Boys aren't only interacting with boys on social media. And the same goes for their real world. So we can't isolate it. It's going to always intersect. And unless we're looking at it from both angles, then we're never going to really understand it as well. And we're going to get stuck in a versus, ver you know, instead of a both and, and how that interacts mentality. I think that's a great point, Erin, because I think what happens inadvertently, I don't ever think this is on purpose, but I think we turn in, we turn adversarial. And when we become adversaries, um, it's out of a heart to protect, obviously. I mean, I never want to diminish that. We are desiring to protect our children, but adversarial language, especially when it's directed against another image bearer of God, is not kingdom driven because scripture always speaks of our enemy as not being flesh and blood. So we're not enemies with each other. And when we th th think about the kingdom language, it's a familial language. So our kids are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to teach them that language so that they're looking at each other with that heart. And I tend to be a lot more generous with my brothers. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't have sisters. I just have a brother, two brothers, but I'm super generous with them and believe the best about them. And so I think that's really the heart of what we want to do is teach our children that. 
I think that's a super important point, Terry Lynn, because I'm just going to be really vulnerable and honest right now and say that when I was talking to you about this specific situation, I was not feeling very generous toward the opposite sex at that moment. <laughs> I just wasn't. And, and your words really helped me find a compassion for what the, the girls that my boys are interacting with on a daily basis are going through. It really gave me that compassion. So let's, let's start there. How can this, you know, help expand us as human beings to look beyond the stuckness of where we are? I think I would, again, start with this brother-sister language. Um, that's the language that's all through scripture. And so, especially when we look at the New Testament, when Paul and other writers are instructing believers how to deal with one another, it's always in that context, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. And I think when you think about how families function, there's room for differences. There's even room for argument and there's room for agreeing to disagree, right? But it's all done with a heart of love that desires the best for someone. And I think if we can train ourselves first and then our children to think of their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ the same way they think of their siblings in their home, then it changes the game a little bit and it changes the way we think about it. And when we think in that familial, those familial terms, we have more compassion for one another because the way you would treat someone who you're having an argument with may be different if you're thinking of them as an adversary, as you said, as opposed to a family member. And using that brothers and sisters in Christ terminology is huge for opening up compassion and also reminding them of their faith and, and the role that that should play in how we view other people. And I also want to touch on the point, we're talking about doing this for our children, but it's as important or more important for us to be having that compassion for the other people. As Brooke was saying, you opened her eyes to what a girl may be feeling in this situation, as opposed to what we would only understand from our son's point of view and that compassion is learned from interacting with parents of the opposite sex. I can't understand how a mom of a girl would be feeling in this situation unless I interact with her and learn from her. And that develops compassion in the process. And that's what we're going for here. Million Praying Moms is about bringing us all together to understand one another better and to pray for one another as well as for our children. Yeah. And it also reflects the heart of God that we're so much more together than we could be apart from each other. And I love how that familial language really helps eliminate at least a piece of what you were just saying a minute ago, Erin, which is that us versus them, we versus they, it really does help when you put yourself in someone else's shoes and begin to understand things from their perspective, it really does help eliminate some of that. And, you know, we, it's always just a good idea to remember that we only see that person in that moment. I'm not seeing what's happening in another person's life when they're at home or when they're, you know, at games after school or what, how they're interacting with their parents or the things that are going wrong in their life. And, and we know with kids this age, there's things that they perceive are going wrong in their lives, right? In fact, it's, it can be kind of a dramatic age. They think everything is either wonderful or horrible instead of somewhere in the middle. And so it's, it really helps to put yourself in that person's shoes 
to have compassion on them. And I also think one of the other points we wanted to make was that as we are trying as the parents to understand what's going on uh, from, from someone else's perspective, we then become better equipped to help our kids do that. And so it's a part of the shepherding and discipleship process uh, for, for our kids. You know, we don't want to produce kids who are, are, are um, small-minded. We want to produce kids who will at least make the effort to understand what somebody else is going through. And it really starts with us. I think that's a hundred percent true. And my daughter is just a little bit older than your girls or your boys. Sorry. Um, she is finishing up her freshman year in college. And so we've been through a lot of those really rough stages. And I will say, I think one of you, I think Aaron, you said it a minute ago that it was so important that we're interacting with mothers who have kids. If we're mothers of girls, especially exclusively mothers of one gender, that we are interacting with mothers that have kids of both or the opposite gender. Because my best friend has three boys. I didn't seek that out on purpose, but it made a huge difference in every parenting decision that I was making through middle school and high school because who was I talking to? I was talking to her and she was saying, Oh yeah. And she would share the opposite side of that because her boys were just a little bit older than Cassie. It made a huge impact. I can't, I can't begin to overestimate how important that is. And I think what happens a lot of times is we become closer friends with the kids, parents that we're around all the time. So like Brooke, you're a baseball family. So probably the people you spend the most time with and you talk to the most are other baseball families which means it's a lot of boy moms hanging out, right? Yeah. And so it takes intentionality on our part to really, you know, find that dance mom that you are like, oh my gosh, (laughs) she speaks a whole other language, but hang out with her and build a relationship with her. And I think it makes us more vulnerable. The deepest hurts I've received as a mom from fellow moms have always been from moms who lacked the ability to be able to see the different struggles that my daughter was having versus what their son was having. And so their language would be very adversarial and they would be like, if girls wouldn't wear this stuff and they might not even be talking about Cassie, but it felt very hurtful. And so if she wouldn't wear that, then my son wouldn't deal with this. And you know, that part of me that always wants to jump to the defense was constantly like, Oh, oh I want to say something, but knowing that it really wouldn't be effective because I didn't have that relationship to say anything. And so I think we have to really be wise about that. I think you're right. You know, I'm thinking back to the time years ago when I released a program called Fight Like a Boy Mom. And I had so many, this was meant, this program was meant for mothers of boys who had what I like to call those boys, you know, like the the ones that are just really seem to to be 250% boy. And when I talk about that, there's always a population of, of mothers of boys who shake their heads up and down. They get it. They totally understand but I almost always have a mother of girls come to me and say, hey, can I do that program? Because I have one of those girls and I need somebody to help me. Like she is harder than my son. And so we have these stereotypes of what boys should be and what girls should be. And yet we all have individuals as kids. And so we have to be careful not to put them in a box and help you know, help us as moms understand. So for, for, um, you know, one of the, the comments that I got a lot when my boys were little was, are they always that way? Because they were, they were just always so 
you know, full of energy and just nonstop. And they were very aggressive when they were young. And my answer was, yes, they are. And I was tempted in those days to think those girl moms just don't get it. They just don't get it. But doing that fight like a boy mom program and hearing from other mothers of girls that they were have that they had girls that in some cases far their their 250% was like 750% far surpassed what i was dealing with in my home with my boys really helped me open my eyes to the to the fact that we cannot place stereotypes on people we have to seek to understand them and then minister to them where they are. So I really think that's an important point. Yes. And we were just um, discussing, you're talking about, are they always like that? People making comments. And I feel like another thing that that can be helped when we are talking with moms of children of the opposite sex is remembering what it was like to be a kid. And I think this resonates a lot for Brooke and I, because we are moms of boys. So we are not seeing in our home the same things that we grew up with as girls. So for me, talking to my sister who has two girls brings up a lot of the things that I'm like, oh yeah, that's what it was like to you know, be a seven-year-old girl. That's what it's like to have a sister. And I know that as her kids grow up and mine grow up, that our conversations will be important in remembering, hey, oh, that's okay. When I was a girl at that age, oh, and that will help me have a conversation with my boys about it as well. And I know that, Brooke, you had mentioned having these conversations with Terry Lynn helped it. And it also brings back up things that you experienced when you were a preteen or a teen as a girl, which we forget. It's really easy to forget the emotions and the experiences that went along with it when you're not parenting the same gender that you are. Oh, absolutely. I think we get, you know, as as easy as it is to get stuck in an all boy household and not choose to look at the world through the lens of, of what girls are experiencing as well. It becomes easy for us to get stuck in where we are in our own, you know, season of life because it's, we, it's just hard to remember. We get so consumed and we're so busy where we are. And, and my husband and I often joke and he, he says, oh gosh, I would go back to 13 in a heartbeat. And I say, oh, I'd never go back to 13. I would never want to go back to 13. Now, 21, 22, maybe, but not 13, you know, because his experience was so different than mine. But we get, we forget what we went through. We forget how we felt. And it is good, I think, to reconnect with that for sure. And all of this is centered on giving us a bigger picture, not being stuck in our own little world. This is why God created us for community, is that he has so much more for us to see that's than what is in our homes, than what is going on just in our lives, in our families. And if we are not in community with one another at church, at school, and in something like Million Praying Moms, where we're sharing our hearts and what we're praying for, we're stuck in a very small picture of what God's doing and what he has planned for us that we can't see unless we are in community. And so when we're talking about the future being male and female and why parents of boys and girls need each other, this is what we're talking about, seeing beyond our own little world, our own family, and what we're parenting specifically in our household. And that goes for 
parenting boys or girls, but also as Brooke mentioned, that each child is different, that our own point of view is based on what our kids are experiencing. And it is completely different in the house next door or in the home of your best friend from church. There are different things going on. And if we're not in community and we're not valuing um, the male and female and the parents of male and female the same and not being in community with them, we're going to miss out on a lot of what God's doing and what he's trying to show us. One of the things I'm really excited about with the new Million Praying Moms movement, Terry Lynn, is that you have graciously allowed us to bring a group of girl moms that you've been pouring into for how long now? Three years. Three four years. years. Three, four years. You've been pouring your heart into this, this group of girl moms, and you've graciously allowed us to bring that into what we're offering at Million Praying Moms. We have been pouring into a group of, of mothers of boys for, gosh, I don't even know how many years. And so we're very excited to be able to have now two groups, one for mothers of boys and one for mothers of girls. Um, and when, when people join, um, when they purchase the Pray the Word journal, they get to choose one or both of these groups for mothers of boys and mothers of girls. And I'm really excited about the opportunity that that gives us. You know, we've been talking about being inclusive and, and you might be tempted to look at that and say, well, so if you want us to talk to each other, how come you have a group for mothers of boys and mothers of girls? I think there are unique things that mothers of, of girls can talk about with other mothers of girls in a way that mothers of boys maybe can't, you know, intersect with that. And, and same for mothers of boys. But I'm really excited about the potential of us being able to work in those groups together to help each other, to share with each other and, you know, have, for example, you come over into our group for mothers of boys and talk about something that mothers of girls are dealing with. And then maybe have, you know, Gina, our, our boy mom mentor, come over and talk about something that she's seeing in boy mom so that we can work together to create an environment that really is much more open and, um, you know, compassionate as we we keep coming back to that word, compassionate with each other than they would be if we were separate. Yeah, I think that has um, to me. That's the most exciting part of all of this is having that opportunity to hear because I love that Gina also has older kids mm-hmm. and she has a boy and a girl, right? And yes, so she has. she has that perspective of even how within her home the interaction happens, so she can help. Um, broaden kind of what we see um, on both sides of that. And I think that's great. And just little things like encouraging um, vulnerability. And that's so scary. And I, you know, I think it's hard for us to say, really, I really am struggling. And especially as our kids get older, Rick, we've talked about this, but there are just things we can't say. And I am kind of out of that season now. (laughs) And Cassidy has graciously given me permission in specific um, circumstances to be able to share pretty in depth about some of the things that she has dealt with. Um, But you know, there were a lot of years that I am just now leaving where there were things that I was so ambiguous and vague about that people probably were thinking I might've even just been, I don't know, making stuff up to try to create conversation, but it was just real stuff that you're dealing with that you, you have to be protective of your child's heart, but also as a mom, you don't know what to do. And this week in our girl moms group, 
we had a mom and this is so common. This is one of those things that I don't think statistically is as common with boys, but there was a mom in our group who shared that her daughter is seven and is struggling with crippling anxiety. I mean, crippling Mm. anxiety and our mutual friend, I know you all love Dave Thomas. Of course we love Sissy Goth as girl moms. And so Sissy's new books are coming out about anxiety. It's such a huge thing. Like we were, I was reading some of the responses in the group to that. And there was such a place of vulnerability and honesty, but also relief to have a safe place to share this stuff. Because who do you say that to? You know, who do you, who do you just look at and go, by the way, my kid who, you know, (laughs) has such crippling anxiety that she can't go to school some days because she can't even leave her room. And this is really what people are dealing with. And on the other side of it, there's a lack of knowledge which creates a lack of compassion because if you don't know someone that's dealing with that, then you might go, whatever. I mean, really not to be critical, but we're all thinking, Oh, we've got our own stuff. And you just kind of clock that in as one more thing other people deal with. And I think it creates that vulnerability creates compassion, but that has to be in a protected space where it's safe. And I love that those groups that we'll be able to have for both mothers of boys and mothers of girls will really foster that environment. We know that God created male and female. He didn't say we just created people. So we know that he created them different and for a reason and for good. And I think it's important to recognize that we do need those places where we can talk just amongst boy moms, just amongst girl moms about those things. And having that input from moms of both within those groups will add a lot of depth as well, where, where they might have some uh, insight that we might not have thought of for the families that only have boys or only have girls. And that leads to a great point that we talk about, he made them male and female, but he also clearly made them to need each other and to work together. And when we have that time to intersect with someone, I have two, two of my very best friends have all girls and they're younger. So we're not quite at the same stages of life. But I know that as we grow up together and our kids do that taking that time to understand what they're going through, um, rather than it's harder for me, or you wouldn't understand this or trying to isolate ourselves all the time from that. Um, God wants us to understand each other's perspectives in that, He did create them male and female, but he did create them to work together. And I think that that is really important for us to model for our kids, because if we are more understanding of that relationship and are modeling it towards our kids, we're not putting out there a one is better than the other type of vibe. That's what we're helping raise the next generation to be, to be in that relationship and in that, um, in the way God made us to be and working together in our different, but equal roles. And the only way that happens is if we are doing that as well and modeling it to our kids. Can you tell us Terry Lynn more about as Cassidy has grown up, how you've seen her interactions with guys in her life? You know what I mean? Like, like what have you seen God do in her life with, from the Christian standpoint of how, they interact and cause she's growing up in that, this community, this 
culture right now that is the future is female or whatever. Like, how has she seen that in her life? Or what have you witnessed in her life? I think really, I look at Cassidy and I just think she's a very normal kid. You know, she's just, she, she's dealt with all of the struggles with social media and she is at the very end. Scott and I did not get on Facebook until she was almost out of elementary. She was in fifth grade before we were on Facebook. So she did not grow up with her life plastered on social media. Um, she, so she had a lot of anonymity as a young child that I think a lot of kids don't. Um, and then she also, because, because of Scott's job in, as a pastor and because of the ministry I do, she's also grown up in kind of a public place because she's been pretty much a sermon illustration her whole life. <laughs> and so, you know, she, her stories have all been told. But um, I think for her, really what I've loved watching is as we have honed in with her on who she is in Christ, that gives her the ability to be gracious and kind to others. And that's boys and girls. I mean, we've really worked hard to always focus on what we can control and what we can choose for ourselves. And so my mantra with her from middle school through now is who you are when you're 15 doesn't have to be who you are when you're 25. So like those kids she's going to school with that made really stupid choices, that doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, be failures in life. Likewise, any foolish choice she made doesn't define her entire future. And so always keeping the big picture in mind, but I've seen with boys, especially, and now Cassidy has, um, she's had some boyfriends, you know, I mean, we're, we did, we have not espoused courting or anything like that. <laughs> she has dated. Um, and she, you know, she's had some pretty long-term boyfriends, um, but she has also had some relationships that were really devastating to her. She, because of her personality, because of, um, just some insecurities that she naturally, I think had, and that was part of her broken, sinful self, you know, just the reality of living in a fallen world. She really struggled sometimes with some insecurities and she ended up in a couple of relationships that were potentially um, dangerous, honestly. I mean, just really wrecked her self-esteem and we had to really work on that. And our rule, um, and I don't, I'm not saying this is a good rule. I'm just saying it's what we did. And she's 19 now and she's pretty normal and people <laughs> like her and I'm super proud of who she is. So I don't, you know, just, this is a kind of a rule of thumb, but our rule was however long she had dated someone. So like if she dated someone for six months then she had to wait six weeks before she could date anybody else. Mm. Because I feel like part of what happens in this culture that we live in, that's so driven by serial monogamy, you know, really, <laughs> is that our kids aren't giving themselves time to heal. And so she dated one boy for a year. And so that meant for three months, she couldn't, you know, we didn't even let her go out with anyone. And in those three months, what I found, what she discovered and what we watched was that she lost that need to have someone to date because we were focusing on those other things during that time. And so I think sometimes the best way to deal with as they get older, especially those boy girl interactions is to lay down boundaries beforehand. And we talk a lot about boundaries. I think when we talk about dating, we talk about when they're together, but I think we also have to be honest that there's only two outcomes for any relationship. Either they get married or they break up. Mm -hmm. And the odds are they're going to break up, 
you know, hopefully with more than they marry. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, so we need to be talking about how to break up well, mm -hmm. um, how to end a relationship in a way that honors God. And we've had a lot of those conversations too. And it's, it's been really challenging for me. Um, but at the same time, I've just watched her step into her own skin. And I think giving her the freedom to date a few people that we would have not chosen for her to date and let her learn that lesson. Um, but always be watching, you know, <laughs> and trying to make an escape hatch for her. You know, I just think that's so important. And I, I would say that, um, the worst thing that can happen is not that your child dates someone you don't like. I mean, that's what I have to tell myself. Like th that is in, as, as a parent, the worst thing that can happen is not that she dated a couple of guys that we really were not fans of. That was not the worst thing that happened to us as parents. That was not the worst thing that happened to her. It was hard, but it wasn't the worst thing. And so kind of perspective, I think. I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was actually thinking of this a lot about the relationships between boys and girls, whether it's romantic or friendship-wise, just because I have a seventh grader. And in health class right now, they are talking about dating and the opposite sex. And the coolest thing that they've done is bring home like questions that the assignment is to just talk about them with us. And I loved sitting down with our seventh grade son last week and talking about dating because it hasn't come up much. I mean, he's, he just turned 13. He knows we're not going to date for a while, but he has a lot of friends that are girls and a lot of friends that are talking about dating. And I want him to just enjoy the friendships and this whole idea that it, God wants us to work together in relationship. And that doesn't only mean romantic, but as we were talking about the romantic part of it, one of the questions on his public school form was how would you want someone dating your sister to treat them? Mm -hmm. And I loved that, like that they were making them think outside of their own romantic feelings. But if you were watching these two people dating and you cared about the girl and you're a guy and the question was reversed for the girls, how would you want them to be treated? And that was like the best part of our conversation because he doesn't have a sister, but I could say, okay, how about your aunt or your, you know, best friend or the girl you really like if somebody else was dating her, how would you want them to treat her? And um, I love that they were putting that focus on talking about, relationship from a whole bunch of different viewpoints and it wasn't all romantic and it wasn't it was like let's open up our minds and think about how we view the opposite sex in a lot of different ways and I think that's super important conversation to have with your kids so that it's not always oh do you like them do you not you know it's not always focused on the only reason you might be interested in the opposite sex is because of romantic reasons. There are other reasons to think about their feelings and to think about what's important to them. And that conversation was really valuable. And that's what we were just talking about, about modeling uh, God's purpose for us working together. I think that circles back to that familial language. Yep. You know, that if we have consistently talked to our children about the relationship they have with other people as being equal image bearers, and brothers and sisters in Christ, um, then it changes how you treat someone. Um, and I, I think, I think we fail sometimes at that because we are so concerned with protecting our kids' hearts. 
I am, you know, I mean, I just want to do everything that I can do to protect Cassie from every ounce of extra baggage that she could possibly have to carry. And so in doing that, sometimes I forget the value of just saying, but you know, think about that person. God made that person and he loves that person and his son died for that person. And how can we best love that person regardless, boy, girl, whatever, you know, um, how do we love others really well as brothers and sisters in Christ? The reality is it always has been, and it always will be that we, that sin makes us focused more on ourselves and our own kingdoms than anyone else's. And yet the Bible calls us to do something different. The Bible calls us to consider others more important than ourselves, to have compassion, to be kind, to look for ways to serve. And so I think as we wrap things up today, it's a great point just to remember that parenting is nothing if it's not intentional. It has to be an intentional focus of our hearts to help our kids see these things, but it has to start with us because we have to be willing to see them first as well. Terry Lynn, thank you so much for joining us today. We always like to ask our guests to share one thing that they are praying for their kids as we wrap up the show. Now, you know well that we love to pray scripture for our kids. So if you have a scripture that you're praying for Cassidy, we would love for you to share that with us today. If it's not a scripture, that's okay. But share with us one thing that you're praying right now for her. Um, We've been talking a lot about um, today, actually, but also in my real world, we've been talking about um, having compassion for people Um, so much. There's just been a lot of conversations lately that have led to that. So we have spent a lot of time in Colossians chapter three, which is one of my favorite chapters, but especially verse 12, therefore as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And I think like just that reminder that this is something we put on. It doesn't, it's not, it's not natural. It doesn't feel natural for us to be compassionate to somebody because we're building our own kingdom. But when we put on compassion for others. And so we've, I've really been praying. She's naturally more compassionate than I am, but I've been praying God would just continue to grow that in her. I love that so much. I have been praying Um, a similar prayer. And that is that God would have compassion on my boys because of his great love for them. And um, I think that might be in limit. I'm thinking it's in lamentations maybe. Anyways, that's the prayer I keep having as we encounter all these um, new things about high school and middle school and all that. I keep saying, Lord, have compassion on my boys because you love them so much, not because of anything they do, not because they really deserve it, but just because you love them so much. And that gives me so much peace in knowing that that's why God does it. They don't have to perform for that compassion. He gives it because of his love for them. So I love, I love how compassion has just woven its way through our conversation today. Um, Just want to mention real quickly as we wrap up, anytime, anything that we mention in our uh, podcast, you will be able to find links to in our show notes. So you can go to millionprayingmoms.com forward slash one, and you'll be able to find everything that we've mentioned today. Plus, we will always have some prayers for you to offer at the end of our show notes that will help you as a mom be able to pray into the specific things that we're talking about on our show today. So go to millionprayingmoms.com forward slash one, and you'll be able to find those. Terry Lynn, tell our listeners where they can learn more about you. Um, I am online at terrylynnunderwood.com. I write a lot about living a full life with a full calendar. 
because that is where I run. <laughs> I stay in that full life, full calendar lane. And then also um, on Facebook, um, Terry Lynn Underwood, I have a page you can find. I'm at Terry Lynn New on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out, but I am um, mostly on Facebook. I am hanging out in my girl mom's group. I try to make appearances elsewhere, but I just love encouraging and equipping moms to just really parent with confidence through scripture. So that's mostly where you find me. Thank you so much for adding so much to our conversation about this idea that the future really is both male and female. And as parents, us teaming up is the best way to, to show that to our kids. And with that, that's it, folks. Thank you so much for joining us for episode number one. Join us next week for another episode of Million Praying Moms. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.